This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Welcome into Stacking the Box Tuesday, April 13th. The draft coming up. We'll get into some of that and a lot of Julian Edelman. Matt Bergeram, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Carm. How are you? I know you have a very hot Julian Edelman take uh, that you're, you want to get out, but uh, we'll, let's just uh, let's pause on that. And, l- and let me get your thoughts on uh, Britt Reed, who is back in the news today because uh, – Yes, he has officially been charged after a long, a long time coming here, and it is uh, not the most pleasant topic. But um, I, I think we should hit on that and and see, you know, what has happened behind the scenes that's perhaps has taken this long, and and where where does um, the NFL perhaps what do they learn from this? And and I want to get to Deshaun Watson as well. But this 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 is this is some breaking news here uh, with Britt being charged. So for those who don't remember. Uh, there was a family that was pulled over on the side of the road on an exit ramp and Britt Reed's car at 83 miles an hour hit into this family. Now, by the grace of God, uh, nobody was, was killed. However, tragically, this, this five-year-old girl, Ariel Young, uh, was sitting in the backseat, suffered significant injuries. She's still in the hospital. Um, and while her condition has improved slightly, um, she, she remains in the hospital and there is a long, long, long way to go to have a a full healthy life. So, um, we bring it up, as you mentioned, because she has now been charged with a DWI felony count. If convicted, I believe the maximum sentence is eight years. Um, and so the football side of it is he, I cannot imagine he will ever be employed in the NFL again. Okay. Um, Britt Reed has a documented history dating back to Philadelphia um, and, and things that happened there. Now that it's happened to Kansas City as well, I think that's, that's, that's the end. I mean, thankfully he didn't kill this girl, but it, you know, we don't know if she's ever going to live a normal, uh, high quality life. And so if he gets convicted of this, there's a very real chance he serves prison time. I mean, this is a very serious thing. In the police report, it states that he was coming from work, that he had a blood alcohol level, uh, I believe, of 0. 0.11. 0.113, yep. Okay, so thank you. So that is well over the legal limit of 0. 
now from a football perspective, the question comes, was he drinking at the facility? If he was drinking at the facility, was this a known thing? Did the Chiefs know he was drinking at the facility? That's where you start getting into how you know how this will NFL wise play out. Now, you know, from a personal level, we've already discussed what the legal ramifications could be. From a football perspective, did the Chiefs know he was drinking at Arrowhead Stadium if that turns out to be the case? If they knew, that's a very big deal. Now, will we ever find that out? I don't know. But that that's where we stand. And the timeline, you know, is Reed told police that night that he had just left work. Reed admitted to having two to three drinks that night. So if he had just left work and that's when he got pulled over, I'm assuming he didn't go to his car, park somewhere by the K in Raytown, pound down a couple of, you know, shots of Jack Daniels in his car and then start driving. I'm, he, I'm sure he had, well, we don't know, but it would seem logical that that would be that that he was doing something at the facility, which, you know, that just takes me back in time, Matt, to, uh, you know, when I when I first started covering sports way back in the 40s. Yeah, late, late 90s. So but the first the first baseball team that I was around. Well, maybe I was in there in 96, 97, a little bit, but the 98 Cubs, I covered a lot like I was there a good amount it's first time yeah. i was at most home games and after the game mark grace rod beck jeff blouser i don't know if people remember these names but i'm guessing that a lot of people do a bunch of them they would have 32 ounce cups of beer filled to the brim gatorade cups that they were you know, they were taking beer. I don't know if they had a tap or just, I think they just had, you know, cans of light beer, whatever the hell they had. They were, they were smoking and this, and the media was still around, you know, it's not like they were like, Hey, Carm, hang out with us. You know, we're in there asking questions and, right. and this is what's going on. And then they're going to stay later. And then they're going to go probably to one of the zillion bars around there. And now you go in any locker room the only thing you're seeing is protein drinks, protein bars. It's a different smooth. world. It's a totally different world. Yes. But so this is well, not a totally different world. It's, so, you know, here he, here's the guy who's grinding at the office, and, you know, he's going to have a couple drinks at the end of the day, and he's going to go home. I mean, that's, that, that, that's old school right there, but it, it seems and, like and it's it, still going on. Well, and, and it's just so misguided. I mean, like the NFL has and, – and I – not that this situation fits the bill. Okay, to be clear, but you know when you see players get arrested for similar offenses, you know driving impaired, whatever. The NFL has a a hotline number that any player can call at any time, and I'm sure this would apply to coaches. Although I, I don't know 100, percent but I, I would have to imagine it does. Um, that you call that number and they will arrange to have you driven to wherever you are going at at no cost. They will take care of you because they don't want a. a any kind of issue with, with DUI or DWI. Um, and unfortunately, you know, now, now it still happens, but you're right, Carl. I mean, look, you know, um, it, it was not crazy. And of course I wasn't covering any sports back then other than just being a fan, but I, you know, um, it, it wasn't, it was a different time. I mean, people just, it, 
and and the world thankfully evolves but you're right i mean would it would it have been crazy to walk into an nfl locker room in 1994 and see a guy drinking a, a, a bud light probably not like i i think we're now yeah if you walked into a locker room and a guy was just sitting there knocking back at some suds you'd be like wow that's, that's kind of interesting okay um yeah, I don't think 30 years well, ago, 25 years ago, you even want to thought about it. So the so the 85 Bears, if we want to just go one more story back in time, they were a straight crazy group, right? You're talking about Jim McMahon. You're talking about um, the fridge. You're, you're talking they, – they were outlandish and incredibly fun. Well, when they were winning the Super Bowl, blowing out the Patriots in New Orleans, while they're still on the field, they're yelling up at fans to throw them down beers. Like they were – I don't know if I don't know if there's video of that, but I've heard the stories like they were asking for send them down, send them down. And then I I was told one other story where they they beat Green Bay. I think I might have told you this one before, but I'll tell it again. They beat Green or maybe they lose to Green Bay. It doesn't matter. They play the Packers. All right. This is late 80s. They after the game, Dan Hampton and Steve McMichael to defensive tackles, defensive linemen who were best of buddies and, and straight lunatics Hamp in the hall of fame. McMichael has a argument to be there too, for the record. But at any rate, they go into their, the bus is leaving in an hour. So they're like, let, let, let's, 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 let's go into the parking lot and drink some of the green Bay Packers fans beers. So they go out into the parking lot and they're, they're boozing up with, uh, you know, the Packer fans. Now here's two Chicago bears with, with Green Bay Packer fans outside Lambeau Field after the game, basically, you know, having a good time. They hear the bus start up, and Hamp is, like, walking up to, like, you know, hey, wait, 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 don't don't leave. The, bu- the bus, t- Ditka tells him to go, and as they drive past Hamp, he gives him the one-finger salute and then, you know, gives him a big fat fine, too. So they had to find their way back home. So they just, like, hung out with the Packer fans. I mean, it was just you, – you would not – I don't think you would see that nowadays. No, no, you certainly wouldn't. And I think, look, the overarching point to put a bow on this is just, you're right. Like sports, it's just, it's different, but society's different. Like, and, and rightfully so. And these, you know, with, with Britt Reed, okay. Regardless, forget even his past, which is well-documented. We don't have to go through the whole thing, but you just have to, you have to be better. You you cannot. However, this ends up playing out. Okay, he told when he when he was at the scene um, of the accident, he was reportedly telling officers, "Yeah, you know, I had a few drinks." Now, obviously, PAC is point eleven three. He had more than a few. So okay? he had two to three drinks. Yeah, which obviously that is. I mean, if if his blood alcohol content was point eleven, that's well more than two to three drinks. Um, it just can't. I mean, I don't care what you're doing. It just can't happen. It cannot happen. And, you know, this is something where, again, from a football standpoint, now the big question becomes how much were the Chiefs aware of it? Did the Chiefs know he was he was drinking at Arrowhead Stadium if that ends up being the case? Because if the Chiefs knew, that that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Um. And I, and I don't know that they did. I and I, and look, we don't even know for a fact that if he was drinking at Arrowhead Stadium. But it, you know, he for all we know, he could have been drinking at the complex in his car or something. If that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out. But if it comes out that yeah, you know what, he was he was having some drinks at the stadium while he was in his office or something, and the Chiefs knew, 
it's a big deal. But I will say this, and then we can move on. Look, I've just learned covering this stuff over the years. Just wait for the facts to come out. I mean, all we know right now that matters is Ariel Young, who is a sweet five-year-old kid, is fighting to regain a normal life. That's the main thing. Beyond that, if he's guilty of, of, of the charges that's been brought against him, justice should be served, point blank. And, yeah, no question. And he served jail time before. This is not a, a, a one-time thing for, for Brett. Correct. So obviously Correct. he's got some personal issues that he needs to attend to and um, should face consequences from his, for his actions without, without question. Um, speaking of, by the way, uh, before we get to the draft, we should just update the developments in the Deshaun Watson case for a second here. It's now, if you are putting the civil suit out that your name has to be revealed, which I found to be that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer here. I'm, I'm, I'm barely a podcast host, but uh, I thought, I thought that was very, a very interesting development. And now he's also claiming that yes, he had relations with some of the therapists Right. Consensual, consensual, correct, consensual right. relationships. Well, this it's, 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 it's just another day. Right. I mean, I mean, again, you know, and, and, and I, I don't, I don't know what to add other than just, I mean, look, you pretty much laid it out there. Um, he's facing almost two dozen civil suits, a criminal complaint as well at the Houston police department. NFL not doing anything yet. Not yet, no. But I don't. I think for the NFL, there's no reason to yet. You're you're in the off season, and you might as well just wait and see how some of this stuff plays out. They're conducting their own investigation. I now I think when you start getting to OTAs, then you got to make a decision here, right? I and I think if you're the NFL, unless somehow legally this is all cleared up, you just put them on the commissioner's exempt list, right? I mean that that's got to be the play. Which is why, see, I think they should. I'm a little confused, at least, as to why they have not done that now. Because he still gets paid on the exempt list. It's not like they're the right. NFL would Correct. be offering themselves, I mean, opening themselves up to a lawsuit. You're still getting paid, right? Uh, and we're going to continue to figure out what the hell's going on here, Deshaun, um, and legal team. I, I, but I think you're right that because there isn't training camp and or even OTAs, they can sit back here but at the end of the day i don't see how you can bring him to any of those things until the situation is resolved however it's going to resolve itself i don't know how much guilt he has here any guilt everything yeah i I, who knows we're going to find out here in the coming weeks and months um I'll, i'll just i'll put it this way this whole situation has mushroomed into something that originally, you know, I don't think anybody could have thought it was going to get to this level. Not, not that, not the seriousness. I mean, obviously even one charge is extremely serious, but the volume, I don't think anybody thought, Oh, we're going to get to the point where there's, I think we're up to 22 civil suits, a criminal complaint. Then his lawyer, Rusty Harden, who's representing Deshaun Watson comes out and says, well, here are 18 women who massaged him as well who say, say he's he's a, a perfect client. I mean, if you're doing the math, okay, you got 22 civil suits. There was a woman who came out anonymously who uh, spoke to Jenny Ventress over at Sports Illustrated who detailed uh, a, a an alleged harrowing uh, situation with, with Watson. She was also a masseuse. Then you – so that's a 
that's 22 civil uh, civil suits, a, a criminal complaint, uh, a, a woman who alleges misconduct by Watson in, in, in SI, who's, who's not part of the civil suits. So that's 24. Then you have 18 women who say, no, he was, he was great with me as a client. So that you're up to at least by my count, 42 different massage therapists. Now, does that mean he's guilty of anything? No, it doesn't. Does it raise a, a, a bit of an eyebrow? Yeah, I think I think if you're being honest, yes, it does. Like forty, he's went to at least you know forty some odd massage therapists. I mean that is that is not a small number, and you know does it again? It doesn't imply guilt, but it does imply something that is is out of the ordinary for sure. Yeah, and these two particular circumstances, I think there's one point of commonality. There is an untouchable feeling that. A lot of people have when they reach the highest levels in life and that the rules do not apply to you because you're in the NFL or because you're the star quarterback. And of course, all this is still alleged, I I guess. Um, And, you know, the same thing with an NFL head coach who's got a very famous father who's winning Super Bowls. But, you know, it when when there's a huge cost to people being pampered and thinking that they can do anything they absolutely want in life, no matter how talented you are or whatever it is, learning that uh, real life is going to come running in at you at some point is an important lesson to learn. So I don't know who, uh, you know, Sean Watson, by all accounts, I think everybody would say pretty smart guy, pretty interesting guy. Uh, So this is stunning. But there was it just there's some level and 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 I hear that you know some I saw one report where he can't sleep he's um, completely distraught his name's being dragged through and the way it is, um, but I again the word alleged out there but I have a hard time believing that at, at least at this point that he can look at himself in the mirror and think that he did everything perfect in this in this scenario there's got to be some ways at at bare minimum right that he's got to be looking in the mirror it's like i can't i i really i i i i just felt like i could do whatever i wanted i i i think that's got to be in there somewhere at least on uh, on it's, some level it's, it's, it's just, grotesque, just guessing it's grotesquely fascinating to watch how this is going to play out because yeah. there is i mean this is not going away tomorrow nope no it's not all right to the NFL draft board, Ram, you got a storyline that's intriguing you the most here other than the run on quarterbacks? I was going to say, I mean, look, we all talk about the quarterbacks all day long. I'm, I'm interested to see, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kyle Pitts, but I'm just going to throw out something. Like, I went back and did the research. In the Super Bowl era, the common draft era, which is late 60s on when the AFL and NFL shared the draft, uh, I believe 1968 was the first year of that. Um. There's never been a tight end taken fourth or higher. And Kyle Pitts might go fourth. If Atlanta doesn't trade out, I think he will go fourth. So he could be historical here. Now, if he goes fifth, there's only one other player that's ever gone fifth at the tight end position in the Super Bowl era. That's Riley Odoms, who played for the Denver Broncos, drafted in 72. He was a good player. We made like four or five Pro Bowls, a couple all pro teams. He's really good. Broncos Hall of Famer. Um and then recently, there's been a few guys drafted sixth, Kellen Winslow Jr. and Vernon Davis. So it is it is rare air to go that high. And I don't think Pitts is getting past six. I mean, you're rare air to be drafted that high as a tight end. 
Um, I'm fascinated to see where he goes and then to see how his career plays out because he is the, he is Antonio Gates esque when you watch him on the tape at Florida. And if he obviously has a career like that, he's well worth a pick, but I'm, I'm just very, very curious to see where he goes. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm curious to see if he makes history as a top four pick. It is time for us to get rich. Hang tight. We'll be right with you. It's stacking the box. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code radio and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to have uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming up on May the 4th, Verderam, which is exciting. That's one of the storylines that intrigues me. Is he staying or going? What's happening here, San Francisco? What are y'all doing? And, and, and if he is going, where's he going? And I would assume he's going before the first night of the draft, right? Uh, so that, that, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I want to sh- shout out my Northwestern Wildcats here, Verderam. They might, they might have two guys go in the first rounder. Greg Newsom's a sweet corner. A lot of them have the Bears taking him at number twenty. I've seen that on a couple of yep. mocks. And then you got the offensive tackle Rashawn Slater, who might go in the top ten. Go Pat Fitzgerald. Go Northwestern, baby. Let's go. Uh, but for me, the the most interesting stuff is going to be about three years from now. Who got it right? And who got it wrong on the QBs? Because now we're seeing, oh, you know, who's this is a day two interesting guy. And this is a day. Th- I mean, we are like looking under rocks to find quarterbacks right now. But that but one of those is going to come up with a little pile of gold at some point. Right. Who's who's going to yeah. be my Gardner Minshew of 2021? Damn it. Bring him to the Bears. Um, so any rate, I, I still and I, by the way, I'm, I'm still bummed that. Gardner didn't make his way out of Jacksonville. Uh, how about our guy, Julian Edelman? You, is he buying a ticket to get into Canton? He's going to need to. <laughs> I, look, I, this is, I am passionate about this. I spent most of my day yesterday on Twitter just beefing with people who think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. There is no argument on God's green earth for Julian Edelman to be in the Hall of Fame. There's not one. And I will hear none. It is a ridiculous conversation. Why you got so much beef here, Verder? Why stupid? And I, I, I can't stand. Look, my buddy has a saying, and it's and it's been so true throughout the years of my life. You just you can't fix stupid. And there's so many damn people. I swear to God, they're just willfully dumb. And you get these people on Twitter who who ought to know better, who sit there and say, well, you know. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't begrudge the fan who says that. Like, listen, whatever. You're a fan of a team. You love the guy. You, you know, fine. You know, you're you're Sully from Southie who loves him, and it, fine. Okay, he ha- he had 6,800 yards receiving and 36 touchdowns in 12 years. Now, great postseason player. Okay, no one is arguing that. Three championships. That's all fine and well. And all these people who point out, well, you know, he had the second most receptions in playoff. The man's played like 50 playoff games. I would hope he's got that many. Who, like, to me, that's a function of the fact he played on New England. He's in the playoffs all the time. 
Now, he was great in them. But in the regular season, he was a good player. He made zero all-pro teams. He made zero pro Bowls. He had 36 touchdowns. You know what more yardage and touchdowns in him? Dwayne Bow. Dwayne Bow had a better regular season career in four or less seasons. Okay? Now, I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep going for a second here. Have a little fun with this. Another guy who inarguably had a better career, Eric Moulds, 10,000 yards receiving, 49, touchdown, uh, 49 touchdowns, made the Pro Bowl three times. But then but, – but, Matt, none of these guys had any postseason success. Okay, here's one who did. John Taylor, who went and won three Super Bowls. He is on the Hall of Fame all-1980s team. He made two Pro Bowls. He had 43 touchdowns in his career in the regular season. And, oh, by the way, had a much more famous catch than any that Julian Edelman made. In Super Bowl 23. he won the game, 34 seconds left out of Miami against the Bengals. Okay? So you can go on and on and on. Heinz Ward, who couldn't be a finalist this year, was a far better player over a longer period of time. Maybe the best blocking receiver ever. And by the way, won two Super Bowls. Another guy, Henry Ellard. Henry Ellard, three Pro Bowls, two first-team All-Pros, 14,000 yards and 65 touchdowns. But hold on, hold on. Let's get Julian Edelman into the Hall of Fame over all these guys. Julian Edelman has no business in the world without a ticket getting into the Hall of Fame. So let me just be on the positive side on this one for a second. So help me God if you argue that he belongs to be in the Hall of Fame. No, I'm not going to argue that for rent, but I'm going to tell you this, my friend. Number one, Julian Edelman had 231 players picked in front of him in the 2009 NFL draft. So the fact that a seventh-round pick is even in the conversation to be in the Hall of Fame is a minor miracle and Amazing. should be a it, congratulations. He also in those three Super Bowls, he was a Super Bowl MVP. Now, granted, that was in a 13-3 win over the Rams, Super Bowl 53, but he was the Super Bowl MVP for the seventh round pick in 2009. Who, if you did just go by his playoff resume he is a hall of famer now unfortunately for julian although it's not really unfortunate the guy's had a phenomenal career has made a ton of money he should walk taller than 99.99999 percent of all people on this planet but that's not how the hall of fame works we can't just look at the postseason and what you underline ma pro bowl is not an all pro once i mean in my mind you got to do that at least five times to even be considered right so yeah look and you're right, by the way. Julian Edelman, as everyone knows at this point, was a converted quarterback out of college. He had a great career, right? Like, which is one thing I, I, I will say. I do feel bad. Like, that argument comes up so vehemently on social media about the Hall of Fame stuff. Now, I'll hammer him with that because I, I, I do care about the Hall of Fame. I'm big on that. But I, um, I love the history of the game. And I don't want to bastardize it. But he had a great career. Like, he, he certainly belongs in the Patriots Ring of Honor, their Hall of Fame, I mean, he, he was one of the cornerstones of winning three Super Bowls. 
There is nothing wrong with it. And if, by the way, if you're a Patriots fan, you want to argue using the Hall of Fame, go ahead. Like, that's fine. You're a Patriots fan. You, you have every right to feel that way, right? I had no beef with that. Um, but if, if you don't make a Pro Bowl in your career, I, I have a hard – and look, I, and this is subjective, of course, because everybody has their own things. In my mind, if you're not a top 10 player at your position – at any point in your career, like how are we even having this conversation? And I don't think anyone would ever have argued he was a top 10 receiver at his, at his, at his apex, right? Like a great slot receiver, but Wes Welker was a better slot receiver, like far more prodigious. Um, my buddy, Seth Kaiser, who's a, a Chiefs fan and, and works over at the Athletic and does stuff, he, he, he took some heat because he pointed out, I mean, look, Tyree Kill's played for five years, and Tyree Kill has 47 touchdowns. He's made the Pro Bowl five times, a three-time All-Pro, Hall of Fame, All-Decade team, obviously won a Super Bowl, had an iconic catch in Super Bowl. I mean, if Tyree Kill retired tomorrow, there's a better argument to put Tyree Kill in the Hall of Fame. Now, obviously, the personal stuff aside here, but when you talk about the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, and every Hall of Fame has its different standards, you don't you're not supposed to bring in the personal stuff. So I do check the personal stuff at the door. Uh, but look, he had a great career. But if I see one more person who of consequence argue that he belongs in the Hall of Fame, I might have a nervous breakdown. He had 6,822 career receiving yards. That places him in 156th place all time. 156. Uh, it's not, I think it's not, it's not great. I mean, it's, it's a fine career, but it's not a hall of fame. Career. No, it's listen. He, for somebody who was the 232nd pick again in the 2009 draft to finish 156 all time at this moment in time is an incredible accomplishment. And he's not a hall of famer. We got it. Yeah. The closest I mean, hall of famer, by the way, to that number is Marshall Falk. Who's a running back. Who's a running back. Now, Kellen but, Winslow is in the Hall of Fame. Tight end. Tight end, different era. Look, so... Um, of, of anyone who's worth comparing, like, you go to the Hall of Famers who are above him, like, just going in order. So, Falk, running back. Elroy, crazy legs, Hirsch, different era, also played some running back, played some receiver. Okay. Bob Hayes, completely different era. I mean, you almost should just double those statistics from the 60s and 70s. Drew Pearson, who just got in. Jackie Smith, tight end. Bobby Mitchell played running back and receiver, different era. Ozzie Newsome, tight end. Don Hudson was the preeminent. You know, I mean, he was basically the Babe Ruth of receivers, played back in the, the 30s and 40s. Tommy McDonald, different era, played in the 50s and 60s. What do you got uh, on Dante Lavelli? Yeah, glue fingers. Glue fingers Lavelli. Uh, <laughs> Paul Ward. I mean, you have to go all – that's what his nickname was, Carl. You're uh, the you're the greatest. Seriously, the fact that you could pull out glue fling, glue fingers Lavelli on on the top of your head. That's why I love doing stack in the box with you, Verderam. I know who, who he is. He's a great player. Was uh, part of uh, ten title teams with the, excuse me ten ten teams that played in the title game for the Browns. You four in the AAFC and they won them all. And then they 
They went to uh, the first six that they played in the NFL. 46 to 56. He has 6,488 receiving yards, which is why I'm bringing him up because that's 62 very close. touchdowns. It's, yeah, it's very close to Julian. He's in Dante Gluefingers. Lavelli is 179th all time in receiving yards. Whereas, so that is uh, what 23 behind Julian Edelman. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Again, slightly different era, the 40s and 50s. So, by the way, before Blue we even fingers. go, before we go any further i want to get we had three reviews come through the pipeline this week and uh wanted to get to them all just to, just to thank the fine people out there who are doing it uh clint mckenzie who is an avid listener both here and to the arrowhead attic podcast he, he constantly uh leaves reviews and ratings and, and i follow we follow each other on twitter he's a great guy um this fan side is becoming a juggernaut in the sports media realm. When you give your audience two stack in the box podcasts per week, hosted by different but equally exceptional journalists, you have a recipe for true domination. I, I think we should hire Clint for PR. No um, doubt. I've become a big fan of Matt Lombardo of the Matt Lombardo slice of the fan side of pie. His version of stack in the box is no less excellent than that of uh, Monsieur's Carmen and Verteram. Uh, Mr. Lombardo is personal, engaging, extremely knowledgeable, but stay the NFL in any given moment. He is a natural conducting interviews in his friendly and formal style. Uh, mind some true gems from his guest. Simply put, the Matt Lombardo show is timely, informative, and just plain fun. Way to and go, I'll, Lombardo. Yeah. And, and yes, obviously, look, if you subscribe to this podcast, you're getting the Lombardo show, Matt Lombardo show in the feed. So please listen. I mean, Matt's a, a great personal friend, but also does a hell of a job. He had Dalton Reasoner on. Uh, uh, the, the Broncos guard last week who told Matt that Drew Locke is working with Peyton Manning. And that has made national news. That was written up over at NFL.com. That, that's been talked about on Denver radio for days. So legitimately, I mean, really setting some national topics out of that show. He's done a great job. I do wish that you'll check it out and give him the support. Two other ones wanted to get to real quick. Uh, and this one, look, from Susie Met 303 and I'm going to hit this because, A, I appreciate it, and, B, because I have to get to this one. Verteram is the best in the business. Said right there. I don't know if it'll ever be said again, but it's said right there. Uh, Verteram, you provide the most unique perspective of anyone in the NFL. I wish you put out more content as I could listen to you every day. That's very, very nice. Uh, my wife might kill me if I did that. Um, congrats on your son. You said you don't like junior, but what about Matt Verteran the second? I'm the second and I always loved it. I named my son the third. Don't forget that Mahomes is also a second, something to consider. Keep up the great work. So glad I found your podcast. I also listened to your Arrowhead Attic podcast. First of all, thank you very much. Second of all, breaking news. We know the name. Um, I appreciate the second thought and, and, and but I, I cannot, I cannot put another Matt Verteran on, on people. I cannot do it. I agree. Absolutely not. As well you should. <laughs> so the name is going to be Benjamin. Yeah. Benjamin Raymond Verteram. Raymond after my uh, my cousin who has gone far too soon. But Benjamin, not named after anybody in particular. Just we, Stephanie and I like the name. So Ben. Ben Verteram. That's borderline Jewish Verteram. This dude, I, I feel this kid might want him to have a good bagel and a kosher dog. I, I hope he does. Look, the Italian people also love a damn good bagel. And so, uh, especially ones from New York. Okay. I love bagels. Uh, but I go, to, I go to Skokie, uh, which is a suburb of Chicago. For those who don't know a few times a month, they have a sports uh, collectible, but I love going and getting some old school cards. And right next to it is a great American bagel. Uh, and I, I hit the great American bagel hard. 
A okay, huge if, fan. If, if you ever do that again, just the next time you go to Skokie, if you forget this conversation, please send me a text or call me. You need to go to Kaufman's. Oh, dude, I go there all the time, too. Okay. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah, I'm okay. a big fan. Okay. Jewish, okay. Jewish deli. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, oh, oh no, I believe me. I, it's down the street. Yeah. I know right it, where it's it, on Dempster. Yes, uh, we look. Uh, the Goldbergs are there, and 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 we we have a great time at Kaufman's, and everyone is welcome. Please come, come on by. It's amazing. I, it, no, they I, do a nice I do. job. I so if, if I'm looking for a heavier lunch, I'll go there because then <laughs> I also get a couple cookies and yeah. I, I get. Oh yeah, the black and white's people. in there. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, uh, believe me, I know, <laughs> I know. Everywhere I go, I look up delis. Uh, yeah. Last. Lastly, uh, a, a quick review. Uh, last yeah. one here. Person reviewing. I love the title. Football and Comedy Gold. Guys, thanks so much for the podcast. Just fantastic. Me and my wife listen in the car and love the football insights and takes. The best is Matt's totally unabashed willingness to tell it like it is and in colorful but still PG terms that leave us laughing our heads off. The actually sourced info and takes are exceptional, but the delivery takes it to another level. Uh, this is the podcast that converted my wife to listening to football podcasts with me. The food takes are also priceless. Just a great hour of entertainment on the road every time. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for leaving our reviews. I wanted, I always try to read them off. We thank you so much. We enjoy them. We love the listenership. Um, and thank you. And, if, and if, if you leave reviews in the future, we'll read them. Unless we're being accosted, in which case we might lay off. Yeah, I think we should read those too. Have, have we been accosted recently? No. Have you but I'm been sure accosted? <laughs> okay. I'm sure it's coming. Uh, have you seen the movie The Graduate? Okay, so that's um, a homework assignment for you. It's young Dustin Hoffman, and the character's name is Ben, okay. and, uh, and Hoffman is Ben. And there is a moment at the end of the film where they are yelling for Ben. And it's a beautiful woman who's yelling for Ben, and, and she really, it is an earth-shattering yell. And so that's how I'm thinking about your son right now. Ben! And, 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 and it's because she loves him so much, Vertoram, which someday, what's his middle name again? Raymond. Raymond. Let's, let's, let's get him out of the womb and get him playing here first before we get him married. But uh, that's, I, I love it. Congratulations. Uh, we're, we're actually, um, you know, I'm a year and a half into marriage right now. We've been delaying the kid as long as possible. I hate responsibility. Uh, but we are, um, we are, I guess, bringing a dog into the world. Um, so that's uh, a not big bring move. it into the world. Uh, you, no, no, we are. We're, we're birthing this animal. We're birthing. <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're not having the dog. Right, 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 right. But, you know, we're going to we're gonna parent this, 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 what this kind, dude. What kind of dog? I, I don't even want to say it's all, all of it's embarrassing. It, my, my wife is in control. Does the dog weigh more than 20 pounds? Carl? It does. It does. Okay, but you know, God. we're getting, we're getting it from a breeder and it just, that just feels terrible. We should be getting it from a shelter. I lost the, the battle on this one. Uh, it's an Australian Labradoodle and um, I'm fighting for the name. What do you think of Banks? Well, I'll go with it. I'm mean, just because obviously Ernie Banks, but I like well, it. Well, right, but she'd see, see like that. Like I, I threw out Banks and she Banksy. didn't. That, and right, that's what she said, Banksy. And, and I'm like, yeah, Banksy, great. But so she didn't realize that it was a sports name. So I've got a shot. But then I kind of blew it like five minutes later. Be like, I'm like, you know, I, I love Dirty. I love Dirty Banks, even though I never saw him play. And she's like, who's, oh, oh, the, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Just don't forget about that. The name Banks is a sweet name. Banks is a good, good name. name. Nothing wrong with that. Listen, my, my father-in-law, his favorite cub ever, Ron Santo. Oh, it's and a great one. 
and like everything he can like his dog's name is Ivy. Okay. <laughs> and like they're they're like their Wi-Fi um not the password, but like the network is named like Santo Tan. And I mean it's I saw a bat signed by Ron Santo in that sports shop. And I and I'll be up front with you. I think it's like 200, 250 bucks. Like it's not, it's not inexpensive. But he's done a ton of work at our house. Like he's he is a great guy. Steve is is a great guy. And he he basically like built out my office when I or and taught me how to like hang drywall and do all this. Like I had no idea how to do any of this stuff. And and so I feel like I kind of owe it to him. So for Father's Day, might might have to go big and get him. Uh, which my dad's gonna I think punch me in the face if I do that. Considering my dad has helped me out for thirty two years, and there's no way I've ever spent two hundred fifty dollars cumulatively on my father for Father's Day. Um. But we'll see. Yeah, a, so Santo, Banks, sixty nine Cubs. It's a good year. Podcast is doing well. It's a nice, it's a nice investment in in friendship right there. Yeah. Anything uh, else you want to get here to Veran? Because we're having a little peek behind the scenes. We're having we're having people look in the office today. They're about to walk on through here. So we are up against the clock here. Anything you want to touch we on? Are. Uh, no, I mean, listen. I you know I know we, we strayed a little bit from now. That's okay. It's kind of a slow time. We're having a good we're having a good time. Listen. Uh, no, not anything particular, but I will say this, damn it, Carm, the Knicks are over 500. We are 55 games into the year, Carm. They're 28 and 27. They won three in a row. Okay. They beat Memphis, Toronto, and the Lakers in a three game stretch, which does not sound like a lot, but if you're the Knicks, that is a lot. Uh, Julius Randle with 34 points last night, shot over 50%. Did you see the story? Do you see the story about him that, uh, well, I, I don't Tell know. How long it's not this... something horrible that I know. No, no, no. It's phenomenal. Oh, okay. I, I don't know how long this has been out, but I saw it uh, yesterday. And I forget where, but Randall, of course, played with the Lakers and played with Kobe. Oh yeah. He wrote about this in the players treatment, but yeah, go ahead. It's a good story. Yeah. So Kobe would on a road trip, wherever they were going, wherever they flew to, no matter what time it was, like if they're getting in at midnight or later, he would reach out to that city and find some gym slash high school where he could shoot once they landed, and then he would go to the hotel and go to bed. So Randall, in trying to be the best Julius Randall and respect to Kobe, whatever else, he started doing that. So they get into, I think it was Detroit, and he goes to whatever high school and does this late at night, and you know, he thanks the guy for keeping it open for him, staying there. And then, and I, I get it. You're a high school person. An NBA guy is going to come there, get to meet him, build a relationship. You're going to, you, you, maybe you're interested in doing that. I'm sure they don't have that hard of a time to get that done, but he show Randall shows up and the guy's like the last guy that did this man was Kobe. And it yep. apparently meant a lot to him. So sure. it's, it's a good reminder for all of us out there that uh, work ethic in life matters. Julius Randall's having the best year of his career, and clearly he's been working hard. He's been unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. The Knicks basically have four guys. Got to be- and by the way, and I will throw this out because I know you love him. Derrick Rose has been a godsend. <laughs> like, when they traded for Derrick Rose, I really felt like, who the hell cares? The guy is washed. No. Turns out he's not. Turns out he's good for about 15 points a game off the bench and is the only guard the Knicks have who can consistently penetrate. I mean, quickly, 
Emmanuel Quickly is a very good looking rookie, but like any rookie, he has games where he doesn't really do much. And you know what? I, Rose just about every night is getting to the hole, playing a defense. He hustles all. He and Taj Gibson, another bull uh, from from what, have brought like this this like intensity with them that it's clear why Thibodeau likes them so much. And like Taj Gibson sets the hardest screens I've ever seen in my life. The man comes around the corner like a Mack truck to shed like, every game once or twice. He'll just kill some guy with a legal pick. Well, the Lakers just had their best win of the year. They beat Brooklyn by 25 without LeBron, without right. AD. Yep. And then they just lost to the Knicks by 17. And yep. you're throwing out my old bulls. So Derek played 20 minutes last night at 14. Taj played 17 minutes, had eight points and 10 boards. 10 boards in 17 minutes. That's aggressive. He was great. He was great. It was, it was honestly probably his best game to Nick. But they have, like, the Knicks are still trotting out some garbage. There's no question about that. Like, if I have to watch Alfred Payton play point guard another season, I'm going to lose my mind. And Reggie Bullock is fine for what he is. He's a 3 and D guy who really should be coming off the bench. He's starting fifth. But like, and I, I don't know, Alec Burks, did he ever play for the Bulls? Maybe he's played for, like, eight different teams. He hasn't been a Bull. Alec Burks, every once in a while, like, he'll have a game where he'll score four points. But then he'll have another game where he'll score 30 like it's un- like I've never seen a guy who just comes off the bench and just starts firing. And it's there are games where Thibodeau's like, you know what the hell with it? We're just leaving him in. And he plays 35 minutes off the bench. It's it's crazy. But they're they're actually like fun to watch. And RJ Barrett is becoming a real like legitimate start. It's been it's been awesome. It's a very weird thing that the NBA is doing here with the play-in game, but we could have a Bulls Knicks matchup for who gets in the playoffs this year. Because the Possible. seven could be a seven ten. Yeah. The set. Well, here's what happens: the seven plays the eight, and whoever wins that game oh, is lo- okay. is, is locked in. Yeah. So the seven plays the eight. Whoever wins that game right now, it's Boston and New York is locked in. The okay. nine plays the ten. Whoever wins that game stays alive and plays the, the and plays the loss. So 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 if the Knicks lose and the Bulls win, gotcha. It would be Bulls. So if you're a seven or an eight, so you just have to win one of two games. One of two. Whereas if you're a nine or a ten, you have to win both. Right. Okay, exactly. I didn't realize that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So, Listen, and the Bulls, we're all right. playing and just get crushed by the Sixers or the Nets or the Bucks. But I don't care. Like, as a Knicks fan, if the Knicks get themselves into a best of seven series and just get plowed, forced, I don't, it's fine. It's fine. Just hang a banner and, and have a ticker tape parade for this team. I think you, get, you can get a game. Maybe get one. Um, all right. We are back next week with a full draft uh, preview as yep. uh, we'll be one week away from draft week, at least. So we'll, we'll dive deep into that. And uh, we appreciate you making it this far on the podcast and indulging us uh, with the off the field stuff at this, at the start today, which I, I know that everybody comes to podcast to be entertained and have a little bit of the non-serious, but uh, we, so we touched on a little bit of serious today. I have to sometimes. It's the way it is. You, you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, congratulations to Julian Edelman on an amazing career. Vertram, I don't think you have to worry about him getting into the hall of fame. If he ever does, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it outside of Canton. And Ben, you are the man. Enjoy your time in the womb. We're looking yeah. forward. What's the due date? Uh, the C-section's already scheduled, September 10th. September 10th. The day after football season starts. What kind of what what type of what type of timing is that? You gonna you gonna argue with your pregnant <laughs> wife? Because I'm I'm not I'm not. I, I mean, all I said was like you you gotta have it on September 11th. But that's brutal. 
right? For obviously, yeah, we we don't we that that's true. We, that we, we, you can't we, do we, that. And I was like, please, all the gods don't have it on a Sunday. Yeah. So we got. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the comments. Uh, we look forward to more to come. Leave them in there, and uh, yes, we'll see you next week. For around, say goodbye. Take care, everybody. Go next. Go next. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. Wait, every time you wake up is the same day? That's terrible. Yeah, don't worry. I call Progressive. Their 24-7 protection still works, even if my day does last forever. Yeah, but don't you want it to end? Are you kidding? I win the lottery whenever I want and never regret anything. It's the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.